The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Oh, we were streaming along. That's all we're doing these days, folks. So get used to it. Buckle up. It's another day of streaming here on Fantasy NBA Today as I remove. That's a frogectomy when you take a frog out of your throat like that. I had to do a little self-frogectomy. No anesthesia. Uh, welcome to the, pro- uh, the, uh, the program, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thank you for tuning in. It's Tuesday, and we've got the same old stuff on tap, which should actually excite you a little bit, although I'll admit, after having my head-to-head team wiped out with the, as I will forever know it, the 2021... Nine injuries in 11 days, year. There is a little bit less of a sting to each night in the NBA, which is good and bad. I, You know, my Roto teams are in great shape, as usual. I love Roto. I have good teams. I have great strategy. If you execute, you're in pretty good shape. The only one that is uh, teetering a little bit is the one where I had Anthony Davis as my first-round pick, who may very well be the biggest bust in all of fantasy basketball this year. And still, that team has a path to third place and money. I feel pretty good about the Roto stuff. Head-to-head didn't go so great this year. Just if You needed to catch lightning in a bottle with non-injury luck, and if you didn't, there's a lot you can try to do. You know, we can try to survive with a crap ton of streaming, but if everybody else is streaming too, you, even long streaming only gives you... So much of a small advantage. But let's dive on in. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks again, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Let's go through some of the Monday results and then get you pivoted into Tuesday. And what, again, we're looking for is streamer results. Who's worth streaming? Who's worth streaming from a scheduling standpoint? Who's worth streaming from an opportunity standpoint? And right now, schedule streamers are a little bit weirder because most of you guys, head-to-head folks, should not be going to the very last day of the season. I'm assuming most, if not all of you, have wiped out that final week. But there are probably a select few, so we will continue to talk scheduling even into next week. But we're going to start here over the course of this week kind of leaning more into the streamers of opportunity because if you're in Roto and let's say you got to catch up in games played a little bit, you're going to be putting dudes into a rotation. Like, there are going to be two or three guys on your roster that you're picking up and dropping every single day just to make sure you're getting enough games to use up your cap. By the way, use up your games cap. If you don't hit your limit, you have messed it up. And I love preaching lagging back a little bit. But when I say a little bit, I mean like 10 to 20 games you lag behind, not like 60. You kind of get caught with your pants down a little bit because the guys you were counting on to play, they start taking days off. It becomes very hard to gain a bunch of games really fast at the end. So this is kind of your clarion call here. This is sort of a shofar, I guess, to get guys into your lineup now in Roto that are healthy. I don't care if you have to drop someone very, very good. We are at the point now where you can't really wait on them unless you're over the mark, unless you're over the limit on games played or you're very close to it. You could wait on, you know, James Harden. Maybe he squeezes one game in the regular season, something like that. Anyway, let's take a look at what happened on Monday, and we'll break it all down from there. Indy at Washington. This game, by the way, was a regulation ball game. 
that ended on a total of 295 points. Yeah, buddy. That leads to good fantasy juice. Demonis Sabonis, 32-19-9. Karis LeVert, 33-7-5. TJ McConnell, this is what I needed out of you last week, TJ. For bleep's sake, man. Anyway, he'll be good. And, I mean, he'll be good every day, but certainly particularly useful when there's no Malcolm Brogdon around. O'Shea Brissett saw his minutes shaved a bit in this ballgame. He played 26 of them, was not quite as good. Edmund Sumner once again had to leave the ballgame with a left knee injury. That thing just isn't getting right for him. Doug McDermott started, played just 25 minutes. He was very cold early, made a few buckets late to salvage what ended up being still a quite a bad night, but wasn't nearly as awful as it looked about a quarter and a half before the ballgame ended, or as most normal humans would call it, the middle of the third quarter. I still think you can use McDermott. I do think you want Sumner out from the jump to make that one work, because then that leaves basically all of the wing minutes for McDermott and Holiday, and Aaron Holiday, I suppose, but he's a little shorter. He tends to slide back towards point guard, shooting guard. And... uh yeah, I mean, McDermott usually will see more than 12 shots as well. He's, he's again, you're, you're kind of stat hunting a little bit there, but you catch my meaning. Over on the Washington side, a lot of guys had big games also. Russell Westbrook, 14 points, 21 rebounds, 24 assists. He continues to be a revelation here late in the season. Too little too late for many of us. Rui Hachimura had a rare good one, but I don't care. Daniel Gafford continues to play well, even in limited minutes. He's a guy you can use. Davis Breton's got the shot starting to drop again here, and who wouldn't in 154 points? They shot 61%, by the way. It's amazing the Wizards didn't win this game by 50. Kudos to the Pacers for at least hanging around a little bit. It was, it was close to a blowout. They shaved a few points off of it, so starters still had to play a bit. Beal was fine, if unspectacular, in all of this madness. And those are kind of the Wizards that you're even considering. Goga Batadze apparently is getting closer. When he does come back, you might see Sabonis and Batadze start side by side because prior to Sabonis coming back, they were just getting murdered on the rebounding department. Now the rebounding stuff isn't quite so severe, but they have no rim protection at all. Orlando beat Detroit, but really, is that a win? That's actually kind of a loss for Orlando, but uh, you know, luckily for a lot of these teams, bottom three as they say, do they say that? Orlando's 21 and 44, Pistons 19 and 46. Does it really matter? It does actually, because the Rockets are 16 and 49, the Wolves are 20 and 45, but they're actually trying to win some games. The Thunder are 21 and 44. They love seeing the team at the very bottom lose to a team just above them because it's clearing out a path into that bottom three where the odds are leveled off. In any event, it was a weird one, as you might expect. Killian Hayes played the front end of the back-to-back. He'll probably rest the second half of the back-to-back. And does that mean Corey Joseph is going to play? Or does that mean Saban Lee is going to get the start and play a bunch of minutes? I'm inclined to think that tomorrow is a game the veterans get in there for Detroit. But... I've been wrong before. It's very hard to know until the last moment. If you're in Roto, it's a good time to pick up the vets. See what happens. Maybe they'll play this one. Maybe they'll play the next one. I don't know. But you probably have a stretch here where you might get two games out of them over the next five days or something like that. And that's good in Roto. In fact, you could use them, drop them, and then pick them back up if you wanted to. 
Sadiq Bey, he's got his confidence going right now. He's taking all the shots that he, he can possibly find. That's great. Isaiah Stewart, he's going to be good when Mason Plumlee's not in there, but I'm not willing to risk it when he is. Frank Jackson, kind of the same story when the whole backcourt is resting. Although, again, with if Corey Joseph does play and Ellington does play and Hayes sits, it doesn't squeeze him, Jackson that is, all that much. I'm still not dealing with it. That's Frank Jackson, by the way. Josh Jackson is a... Uh, a nine-cat nightmare. Has been for a long time. He went through a stretch at some point earlier this year where he actually wasn't that terrible in nine-cat, and I started to think, hey, maybe he... No. On the Orlando side, things got even weirder. We heard Gary Harris was dealing with some soreness, but he was still going to play. He was just going to have his minutes limited. I don't think we any of us knew that that's what they meant. He played 10 minutes as the starting shooting guard in this ballgame. Lowest minute total of anyone on the team. I was afraid to use him anyway, but now you should all be petrified to use him. And we saw the center thing flip on its head. It had been teetering that way for a while, and on this podcast we talked about how Mo Bamba has been the far better fantasy play at center. He'd been trending up. Carter had been trending down. The ships have now officially passed in the night, and even if Wendell Carter Jr. keeps starting, Bamba's creaming him. Mo Wagner, while Chuma Okiki is out, he didn't have a good ball game here, but he played 41 damn minutes, so get Mo fired up anywhere you can. Cole Anthony also struggled. The reserves played better than the starters for the Magic, so they were allowed to keep going. And so, to some degree, I think you throw out a little bit of what we saw here, because RJ Hampton had another big one. That's two in a row for RJ. He's worth keeping an eye on, but I'll warn you guys, and we've, we've seen this type of thing happen before, where a guy off the bench... And the bench unit plays well, and it creates this weird... It's not a mirage. It's not fair, because he did play well. But it's not a guarantee. And here's the thing that I'm keeping the closest watch on. It's Gary Harris. Harris's minutes may be held in check. He might even be held out of ball games. although the Magic don't have another back-to-back. Until Thursday, Friday of next week. If you find out that Harris is sitting then Hampton probably ends up as the starting shooting guard on this team, at which point you can look at it and say, oh, okay, well, like, I believe that that thing could actually continue. But as long as he's coming off the bench and he's behind Harris, I find it hard to believe that this type of thing is a, is a repeatable ball game. But he played really well. So the question then becomes, well, what do we do? What do you do? Do you pick up R.J. Hampton and then don't start him. He's going to get added in a bunch of spots after two good ball games in a row. But I'll tell you right now, I don't have the confidence to fire him up because even the last few times, you know, he had a 27, 29-minute game towards the end of April, and he really didn't do much with it. So the last two days, these high-scoring games, there's a, the assists are the thing that really jumps out. 15 assists in these two games. He didn't have 15 assists combined his previous six ball games. And honestly, it wasn't all that close. Over his last six games, he had nine assists. And then two games, he had 15. So something doesn't quite add up here. The steals and blocks are also way up these last two games. The minutes, yeah, they're absolutely higher, playing 35 minutes. That's the most he's played here. But I'm also in a spot where I can't really afford to pick up a guy and not play him. So I'm not that worried about it. I'll be honest. If he ends up 
kicking ass for the next 13 days, and I'm not a part of it, oh, well. I'm The guys I'm starting and the guys I'm going to recommend you guys start are dudes we can feel safer about the numbers they're going to put up on whatever day you're plugging them into your lineup. And I don't feel safe with R.J. Hampton. Certainly not the way I do with a couple of his teammates, including Cole Anthony. Mostly Mo Bamba. It's Bamba time, baby. And Mo Wagner. Because we haven't heard anything good about Chumo Kiki's ankle. Oh, that killed me last week. That was an injury replacement I was able to pick up. Warriors beat the snot out of the Pelicans. This game really wasn't close ever. Draymond was great. Triple-double. Steph was great. 41 points. Eight three-pointers. He's a freaking machine. Andrew Wiggins was questionable. He ended up having a good ball game. But who doesn't against the Pelicans who refuse to guard anyone? The, I think it was the Warriors account tweeted out about how Steph had four defenders on him and scored anyway. Watch that clip. He had four defenders near him, but they were not on him. They all parted like the Red Sea. Pelicans have fully mailed it in at this point, particularly on the defensive end, but I could argue both. That was bad. I mean, that was real bad. As the Warriors are currently constructed, Kent Bazemore, the starting shooting guard, with no Kelly Oubre and still no Eric Paschal, although apparently he's not that far away, and no Damian Lee, the Warriors do kind of have a handful of guys you can use. Kevon Looney had a little push there where he was kind of a rebounding specialist, but that's fallen off. Bazemore, steals specialist. He's actually doing a decent amount of rebounding for this team right now because they're going kind of small. Juan Toscano-Anderson has been fairly effective for a couple ball games in a row. It seems like they really like his hustle plays, which, great. I mean, you know, he'll get you four to five rebounds if he's playing starters minutes. It seems like he's getting three, four, five assists most games that he's out there for starters minutes. Blocks. He had a five-block game, remember, over the weekend, although that was seemingly a bit of an anomaly. The steals aren't. He gets you some steals. His stat set is not that great. Can't lie about that. Stat set, not that great. Incredibly low usage guy. In 28 minutes over the last two weeks, 28 minutes a game, he's top 170. Because he just doesn't shoot. I mean, he takes Nerland's Noel level usage on the offensive end, but he doesn't get you Nerland's Noel stuff on the defensive end. That's including that five-block game. You pull those out, and it's really not worth it. So I'm out on Toscano Anderson. I am, however, in on Bazemore. As long as Le- Lee and Ubre remain out, I think Bazemore will have a decent role on this team. Handful of threes, steals, blocks, rebounding over his head while the Warriors go to a Draymond at center lineup, and that's good. So Bays is, is useful, especially if you're hunting a particular set of stats. I have a particular set of skills. And there are some leagues where I really am focused on his particular stat set. And I'm betting some spots where you guys are too. On the Pelicans' side, this is the first of three meetings with the Warriors in the next eight days, I believe. Brandon Ingram was not good. Najee Marshall played some decent minutes, but he wasn't very good either. Willie Hernan Gomez got another spot start for Steven Adams and did pretty much what you'd expect him to do against a team that wasn't missing shots. And that's get as many rebounds as he could when there weren't any rebounds to get. It's not entirely fair, because the Pels did actually out-rebound the Warriors 47-38. to A lot of that coming on the offensive glass, because the Pels are big and the Warriors are not, but it didn't matter. 
And for Hernan Gomez, he's a rebounding field goal percent specialist if you want to keep rolling with him. Zion's still playing hard. Lonzo's actually still playing hard, as terrible as his shot selection was in this ballgame. He's still trying out there, but damn, the Pelicans are, di- are really bad. That is, I should have gone way bigger on that season win total under bet for the Pels. They had all this hoopla around their name, but I couldn't figure out why, because they traded away their best player. Drew Holiday. They clearly got worse. I don't care how much better some of the young guys were supposed to get on that team. They didn't get better. They're fine. I mean, they're seven games under 500. I'm picking on them like they're 15 to 20 games under 500. They're just not very good. The expectations were too high. That's probably a better way to put it. Sorry, Pels fans. It was not that they're that bad. It's that the expectations were way too high. They were never going to be that good anyway. Damian Lillard still had it going, but it wasn't enough. His teammates kind of ran out of gas on him in this one. McCollum, Powell, Mello, Rocco, but in particular, Yusuf Nurkic totally ran out of gas in this ballgame. The centers for Portland really couldn't do anything. Clint Capella ate them alive. Clint Capella, by the way, pretty freaking good on defense. I didn't realize that about him until this year. He's totally anchored that Hawks defense. Good for him. Good for him. And good for those of us that drafted him in the 70s or whenever the hell he was going this year. This is the end, by the way, of a pretty rough stretch for the uh, Portland Trailblazers. This was the end of a 5-7, and seven, but it was... Well, it wasn't two back-to-back 5-7s, and sevens, but it wasn't all that far apart from it. They have one more game on this road trip in Cleveland. That's on Wednesday. And then they go back home to take on the Lakers, the Spurs, and the Rockets. It's hard to apply... Some of the mid-season angles to games, like do teams get tired at the end of a roadie? Maybe, maybe not. But it's pretty easy to say a team is probably going to be tired on their fifth game in seven days, especially on the road. That's a lot of travel. At least if you're doing it at home, you can just kind of camp out. But Portland went from Indy to Memphis, up to Brooklyn, over to Boston, and then down to Atlanta. It's not like a team traveling along the West Coast where every flight is super long, but that's not super easy either. On the Hawks' side, Trey Young got off to a miserable start in this game. He ended up turning it around pretty well. John Collins had himself some foul issues. He'll be fine. Capella was good. Bogdan, just picking up where he left off. And then Danilo Gallinari, who had this, this pretty sizable opening ever so briefly with the Hawks when everybody was hurt and somehow except Gallo. And now everybody's back, and Gallo is, is rolling. I, I can't fully figure that one out, but he's a great scoring free throw percent specialist that might be bouncing around on waiver wires just because, I mean, he was hurt for a while. And if somebody's hurt at this point of the season, they're likely to get dumped. Philly opened up a big lead over the Chicago Bulls. Bulls made it somewhat interesting. They shaved a little bit off of it late, but it was never really in jeopardy. And for Philly, it's the starters at this point. You're at that you're at that juncture. It's start the starters with the 76ers. That's cool. That's easy. That means we can just rumble along with it. Zach Levine, they're hoping to get him back by later this week. I think Thursday was the target day, from what I heard, and that is Chicago's next ball game. They got today and tomorrow off. They started back-to-back in Charlotte, so if Levine comes back, my guess is that they probably try to get Vooch back for that ball game as well, and maybe the Bulls can make a little bit of a push. This one, I think was kind of a wave-the-white-flag type of ball game. They 
Vooch is hurt. He's dealing with a right adductor soreness. But I bet you if this was against a, a more winnable opponent, a beatable opponent, he probably would have been in there. Without Levine, Vooch alone, he's not taking down the 76ers. Not right now. So let's say Vooch plays in their next ballgame on Thursday. Let's say Levine plays in the next ballgame on Thursday. A lot of what we've seen the last week and then with Levine the last three weeks goes right out the window. Thad Young thought he'd play more in this ballgame, really. Daniel Tice, we knew he'd play a ton with no Vooch. Kobe White, he's been forced to play a ton. What do they do with Kobe? Does he go back to coming off the bench? Has he earned himself a starting role alongside Levine, even though they're both relatively high-usage guys? I think the Bulls prefer to have White coming off the bench. Perhaps he's rebuilt a little bit of his confidence, so I think you can probably stick with Kobe for a ball game, even with Levine back, and see how that goes. I don't think Zach Levine's going to be quite himself, even if he's tweeting that he's ready to go. I guess his symptoms weren't that bad compared to some of the other dudes, but okay, he's still out for three weeks, almost. I guess he'll be back on Thursday. I think that's exactly three weeks. I would continue to start Thad Young. I know this wasn't his greatest ball game, but he tends to play pretty well alongside Zach Levine. And then everybody else you can probably cast aside. Remember, Tomas Sadoransky was the starting point guard when Levine was healthy. They liked having a distributor next to Zach, more of a defense-first, high-efficiency type of guard, and then they brought White off the bench. So we'll see if that then flips around as well. I think the Grizzlies might be tired. I foolishly put a half-unit bet on Memphis in this ballgame against New York, thinking, well, you know, they got the revenge. Maybe that'll get them fired up. Grizzlies just don't have it right now, and it's because they're playing a game every freaking day. I was worried about that. I said it right in my write-up. This happens to be the game kind of in between the back-to-backs, but look at Memphis's schedule starting on the 25th of April through to the end of the year. It went on, on, off, on, off, on, on, off, on, off, on, on, off, on, off, on, on, off, on, on, off, on. The 25th of April through the end of the regular season is 22 days. And over those 22 days, the Grizzlies have 14 games. This game was number six. So it's getting worse before it gets better. And I'm sure they'll find a way to pull it together somewhere in there, but good heavens, it is not going to be fun to be Memphis Grizzly really starting on Wednesday of this week. Three games the rest of this week, those five days, and then five and seven after that. Eww. Eight out of 12 days. My God. So I don't think you can bet on the Grizzlies for a little bit. That's, a, that's an error. I'm glad I went super small on it, just a half-unit bet. Taj Gibson, terrific fill-in while Nerland's Noel is out. Derek Rose is rolling. Reggie Bullock cooled off a little bit here, but he's been good. Randall, of course. As soon as Noel comes back, you move Taj Gibson away. And you can't trust that type of short-term thing in head-to-head, but you certainly can in Roto. That's an easy one. Over on the Grizzlies' side, it was a hot hand thing again, and DeAnthony Melton didn't have it tonight. He was drunk out there. JJJ... Better, but not good. We talked about it on yesterday's show how sort of the, the equilibrium of an NBA season is starting to, to hit him in the mouth a little bit. John Morant was awful. He's exhausted. And so Desmond Bain got bonus run. And you're going to see a lot of that from Memphis. It's going to be a who's awake, who's awake enough to play kind of thing. 
San Antonio's late season struggles continue as they get worked over by the Utah Jazz, who were, again, without Mike Conley and still without Donovan Mitchell, but it didn't really matter all that much. Rudy Gobert stopped, well, the entire Spurs team pretty much by himself. Royce O'Neal has been a really nice rebounds, threes, steals kind of guy here towards the end of the year. Smattering of assists. He doesn't score very much. That'll doesn't fill in that one. But you guys know the Dan Vespers method. We don't really much care about scoring anyway. If it comes, it comes. In goals, you can keep riding him. Boyan's done a lot more here with everybody out around him. And then just as we talked about on yesterday's show, Jordan Clarkson has been a uh, missing efficiency lately. Over on the Spurs side, they got the regulars back in, but they were not good. So the minutes were a little bit all over the map. Uh, Jakob Pertl had a bad ball game against uh, Rudy Gobert. So they were able to shuffle him around a little bit. DeJounte Murray was fine. DeMar DeRozan really, and Rudy Gay off the bench had decent ball games. But you're not changing your valuation of anybody on the San Antonio side. So I don't even know why we're spending time on it when we should be looking at the last game from Monday night. And that was the Lakers and the Nuggets. And this one was uh, a, a knockdown, drag it out kind of brawl where neither team could hit a free throw and neither team could hit a shot. And the Lakers couldn't take control or have control of the basketball, and somehow L.A. managed to pull it out. That somehow, by the way, is because Marc Gasol actually got playing time. 17 minutes, he had 10 points, 7 boards, 3 threes, and a block. He's a much better matchup against the Denver team that's all about ball movement, and Gasol kind of understanding a bit better positioning. Not that Andre Drummond has been bad. He hasn't been. He's actually been relatively useful for the Lakers, particularly when Anthony Davis was out. But with AD back in... It's a mess. Then you just got a guy clogging up the lane. So it's a bad fit. And I wonder if what we saw in this ballgame yesterday is going to be taken into account for the Lakers as they reassess their rotations. Marcus Gasol does seem to make more sense alongside AD and LeBron because Drummond is not going to be in the right spot offensively. He's going to be in the way. LeBron and AD are going to want to take it towards the basket you know what, these guys taking long twos every time, but if they go towards the rim, there's Drummond and there's his man. Even if you are you could sort of position yourselves around, use Drummond as something of a screener or just a guy that's taking up space, it's just, it's just angles being cut off by bodies. It's congestion. As a resident of Los Angeles, I'm far too familiar with driving everywhere in congestion. It's just, it's tougher. So we'll see. Maybe the Lakers will switch the two, get Gasol starting. Even if he's not playing huge minutes, just get him out there for spacing. And then Drummond, I mean, who didn't even have a rebound in this ballgame, by the way, sort of a weird little footnote in a 21-minute performance. First time since his rookie year that that's happened for Andre. And to his credit, he's doing things that he is are better, sort of team interest kind of stuff. The fact that he's not trying to hog every rebound like he has done in the past. But it just makes more sense, I think, to have him come in there and beat up on second units. Go knock him around under the rim. Get every offensive rebound you can because those guys aren't going to stop him. And get Gasol in there against other teams' best units. We'll see. We'll see. Not, not that any of it changes things all that much. I've been telling you guys that Drummond is barely on the cusp of fantasy useful anyway, and he probably falls out of it with this ball game. Kuzma, when LeBron is in, and he wasn't very good in this game either, but I think he he's fallen off. Uh, no Dennis Schroeder for a couple of weeks. That was also news prior to the ball game, kind of burying the lead there. Alex Caruso got the start at point guard, and he's probably going to have to play pretty big minutes. Thing is, 
Uh, Lakers were only only 18 assists in the whole ballgame here, and Caruso had three of them. It's going to be LeBron orchestrating. Caruso's going to be playing mostly off-ball, but big minutes for him means a few rebounds, a few threes. He will get you some steals just because he's going to be ball-hawking and trying to stay out of foul trouble, and he's worth a look if you need... Uh, again, he's not going to be a guy who scores very much, and you can go through and find Caruso's game log and pretty much isolate any time he's played starters-level minutes and pick out what you do and don't like about it. Just, just, just do it for this season alone, and you've got like less than a handful of them. Played 26 minutes on February 6th, 10 points, 3 boards, 2 steals, and a 3-pointer. He played 31 minutes against the Wizards on the 22nd at 11-4-3, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer, which, by the way, very similar to the line he had last night. Two games later against Portland, he had 10-6-2 with two steals and two three-pointers. You guys catching sort of what's going on here? A couple threes, a couple steals. That's kind of the target here for Caruso. He's basically a 3-and-D iteration of a point guard. So he's 3-and-D plus about 2.5 to 3 assists per game instead of 1.5. He'll stumble into a block every once in a while, but that's not really something you're hunting there. He doesn't take many free throws, and he's frankly not that great at it anyway. And he's an okay rebounding guard, but that also will take a hit when LeBron is in there. So this is very much a stat-hunting type of play. He's probably not going to get scooped up in that many spots. But with Schroeder out, basically through the end of the regular season, at least you know you're going to get Caruso. He's going to be playing 26, 27, 28 minutes, and if it's going well, maybe even a couple more which means you're getting a three ball, one to two threes, and one to two steals. Probably about four rebounds, probably about two and a half to three assists. Ten points, probably. And that's not really a top 100 type of thing, but it is an assortment of categories that I know I'm hunting in one or two spots, and I wonder if you guys might be as well, and it's just a guy that's moving into more value that didn't have it before. Meanwhile, on the other side, for Denver, sounds like Monte Morris is getting closer. We, we saw him talking or tweeting about it, I think, prior to the ballgame that he's coming along. But until that happens, Facundo Campazzo is still playing gigantic point guard minutes. He had eight points, four boards, eight assists, five steals in this ballgame. So you can keep streaming Campazzo as long as he's the starting point guard there. And that's the only real addition... Although it's, it is also worth noting that P.J. Dozier pulled a, a groin. And they ended up calling it hip tightness when all was said and done, but he landed kind of funny and grabbed the inside of his right thigh, which is generally more the groin than the hip. But I guess something, maybe they didn't want to say what it really was, or maybe it really is only hip tightness, and that would be a really good thing because then they wouldn't lose another body. If they do, I really don't know what Denver does there. They played Austin Rivers 33 minutes yesterday, and it was bad. That was not a good look for the Nuggets. I would think their better option would be to go giant and play a Campazzo point guard, and then Michael Porter Jr. is your shooting guard. Aaron Gordon, small forward. Jamichael Green, power forward. Jokic, center. That, that's maybe your option. But then they're not defending people very well because they're gigantic. The Denver is a little beat up right now. No Murray, no Barton, no Morris. Now no Dozier. The list goes on and on for them. Not that you're complaining to the Lakers, who missed their two superstars for most of the year, but you catch my meaning. And as we're hunting for fantasy value, it's not immediately evident that anybody's going to step into that void. And if anyone, and if Dozier does miss a game, two games, a week, whatever it is, if anyone, it would be Monty Morris. They'd probably go to a two-point guard starting lineup, and Monty would be the shooting guard. 
not worth picking up now, not until he's back, and even then they'll probably go a little bit gentle with him. So just keep rolling with Kabatso, I guess, as your extra body. Meanwhile, Aaron Gordon, he's been a drop for weeks. Not that, I don't know that he ever was an ad all year. He turned out to be terrible this season. First it was the percentages, and then he goes to Denver, and they're just like, all right, we just need you to play defense now. Hey, this is one of your last chances, folks, to open up an account at mybookie.ag before the NBA playoffs commence. And that's when we're going to be cashing a ridiculous sum of tickets. You guys may or may not remember this, but our own Aaron Bruski went 60% during the playoffs last year. And not on low volume either. It was like 60 and 40. So that was a fat winner. I don't know that any playoffs will ever be as easy to handicap as the bubble playoffs when everyone was on a neutral site every single night. The travel and the schedule and all that stuff, it does make things a little bit different here in this what'll be the, a non-bubble playoff situation coming up in a couple of days. But the playoffs are great because the public is focused on them, which means you can find cushy numbers. Public will just keep betting into them, and we will crush them. So open up an account at mybookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, all one word, on the third page of sign-up. You will not see a confirmation pop up, by the way, when you do that. It's just nothing. It just sort of goes into the system. And then when you make your first deposit, it unlocks some different bonuses. You can choose if you want any different deposit special things. If you're going to be betting for a while, take them. If you're not, pass on those things. But either way, we do need you to put in the promo code HoopBall so they know who sent you. Make that first deposit. Get yourself a wager pass over at hoop-ball.com for just 99, uh, sorry, 33 cents a day, $9.99 a month. And ride with us through the NBA playoffs. We got baseball. We got hockey. I think that's still going. The hell do I know about hockey? We got horse racing. We got golf. We got it all, man. We got bets year-round here in the Hoopball Wager Pass. It's the bee's knees. Tuesday night, seven-game card. Although, as we've been talking about, there really isn't homework right now because we are... Well, first of all, there's so many streaming options that it kind of doesn't matter if you're the first to a particular guy because someone else is always going to surface. And you're moving bodies around on your team left and right. You're hunting particular categories. Everybody's looking for different things right now. So it's a really cool time of year when very few people are hunting for the same type of player. So the competition on the waiver wire is less, not minimal, but it's it's less. Phoenix at Cleveland. We already know Darius Garland is out, so that means Chetty Osman has a little bit more shelf life for the Cavaliers. On the Sun side, Jay Crowder has already been ruled out, so you can probably get down on it with Torrey Craig. He just wants to party with you. There is a possibility that Torrey Craig plays 17 minutes and Cam Johnson plays 30, so let that kick around in the back of your head. He's not my favorite streamer. I'd rather go Osman in that ball game. Second game on the docket for tonight is one that's suddenly loaded with information. I actually started recording this podcast late last night, and before I was able to finalize it, edit it all together, and release it, we got truckloads of news on both halves of the Charlotte-Detroit game, which is funny because when I was initially planning on recording the show, I was like, oh, Charlotte-Detroit, that's a pretty easy one. We wait on the status of the old guys on the Pistons, and then you roll with it. But meanwhile... Meanwhile, once again, big news on the Charlotte side. Out. P.J. Washington, personal. Out. Miles Bridges, 
health and safety protocols, probably for the rest of the regular season. Devontae Graham, out. The knee stuff still acting up. So suddenly, the Hornets are down all kinds of bodies. They thought they were getting some guys back. Whoa, no, don't. We, we move so quickly. We move so fast. Charlotte, who in their last ballgame, remember, they had both of those guys for most of the ballgame. Devontae Graham played about 24 minutes. I think he may have left a little bit early in that one, or perhaps they just kept his minutes down. Cody Martin, remember, also got hurt in their last game, although he's questionable for this one. So what does it mean? Well, uh, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball are healthy. So you've got those two guys that are locked into a gigantic role here in the very short term. With Devontae Graham out, that gives more playing time to Malik Monk. With Cody Martin out, that gives more playing time to Jalen McDaniels. With Miles Bridges out, that gives more playing time to Jalen McDaniels also, and probably would have been Cody Martin. So again, if he's back in there, then maybe he, the, the trickle comes right back to Cody. And then with P.J. Washington out, that probably forces Charlotte to go back to a more traditional center like a Bismack Biombo, a Cody Zeller, or a Vernon Carey Jr. Not that any of these guys is actually going to be good enough to use, but they'll probably just piecemeal those guys together at the center spot. So I'm not too worried about the P.J. Washington one, and hopefully he's back quickly because that's a personal absence. The Miles Bridges one is more intriguing, and the Devontae Graham stuff is also of note. I think you probably have enough here to fire up McDaniels, and to fire up Malik Monk. Monk is going to take a bunch of shots. Because if he gets his 27 to 30 minutes of ballgame, he'll, he'll just go chucking away. There's no... There, he's not shy. And you're taking out some of the higher usage guys on this the Charlotte team with no Graham, no Bridges, no Washington. And then Martin a little bit less so, obviously. But Gordon Hayward's still out. So LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, those guys are going to be asked to do a truckload. And then I think... Well, like, I, I suppose a little bit comes down to the sort of the roto versus head-to-head versus points league category kind of discussion. It, as Charlotte goes from a scheduling standpoint, their schedule's not that bad, actually. They go four times to finish up this week, starting tonight. They're in Detroit against... By the way, we did find out that the Pistons are resting all their old guys. So I think you can drop all the old guys, and you can feel pretty confident just starting the Isaiah Seward's, the Stadik Bays, the Killian Hayes, that type of stuff, and probably even Frank Jackson, although a little bit better suited for uh for points leagues but you know they still have four games left this week as part of a five game or so cool on the Detroit side the Charlotte side is the one I'm really focused on because we don't really know how long Devontae Graham's going to be out and we also don't know the Cody Martin status yet and and maybe we will here in the next hour or so so stay tuned stay stay tight to the news for that information what I would say is because as of the time we're recording this we don't really know how long those guys are out. I don't think that I would make a move on Charlotte in head-to-head because you don't want to have to abandon ship on one of these dudes midweek. We've talked about that before. You don't want to have to use another weekly move to get out from under a guy just because his role went down. In Roto, however, I think you've got a pretty good opening on McDaniels, who's probably a better Roto type of guy. And then Monk, if you're hunting points, threes. He actually had some assists in that last ball game, but I don't know that that's something that's definitely going to stick. With Rozier and Ball doing, I would think, most of the ball handling. McDaniels is the one that can get you some threes, some boards, some steals, some blocks. He'll be asked to do quite a bit here with uh, no P.J. Washington and no Miles Bridges. So he's a guy I like in Roto. I think you add him and you just roll with it as long as you can. Monk, 
more so points league kind of guy. I, he'll still have a role even when Graham comes back. So that, it'll just be smaller. It's going to go from big to, to small medium, to medium when Graham returns, which again, it might be later this week. We don't know for sure. So there's argument to be made, you roto folk out there, uh, looking at the Charlotte guys, do you add these guys and then just drop them depending on what we find out on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think you could probably do that. There's a little bit of upside there that maybe some of these other streamers don't have. I, I like an Alex Caruso. We just talked about the upside there. Not that outstanding when LeBron's back in the lineup. And the Lakers don't play for a couple of days. Charlotte, as we mentioned, they've got four left this week. So, you know, why not? Why not have at it? Give McDaniels a run. And look at some of his recent games. Like, they've, they've been pretty decent as far as, well, when he, when he actually had the starters minutes. You saw his role beginning to decrease with Cody Martin around. So that's another thing. Finding out what Cody Martin's deal is, that's going to have an impact on stuff. So it's all bouncing around. But look at some of those games when McDaniels was playing 30 minutes. He was putting up some pretty damn good roto lines. 13-6 and six with a steal. 10-6-3, and 12-2-1 with four steals. There's a lot to like about the roto game. The fear, of course, is who squeezes him out. I guess at least on the Monk side, you're going to get a whole bunch of shots kind of regardless of who's playing. And then the question really just is, how many? How many shots is he going to take? Remember, he was, he was actually playing pretty well prior to his injury. you got to go back a little bit, but he had a decent stretch going. When did he get hurt? April 1st, he got hurt. He had some games in there where Graham was out, and he was playing 28, 31 minutes a game, taking 16, 17 shots a night. It was pretty wild. Malik Monk, not shy. But again, more points league friendly. Brooklyn, they should have everybody for this one outside of James Harden, as far as I can tell. Everybody meaning Kyrie and KD. So what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of the other guys are going to get kicked off to the side, and we don't really know what's going to happen at the center spot. We also don't really know if there was any lingering stuff with Jeff Green. This is a fun rematch with Milwaukee. Bucks just beat them by a couple of points the other day. Brooklyn didn't actually shoot the ball all that well in that last ball game. The Bucks did. Milwaukee is not an interesting fantasy team, at least from a is-anyone-going-to-emerge standpoint. Dallas, I think Kristaps uh, Porzingis, last I heard he was doubtful for this ballgame, but I guess we can change that note if anything else pops up closer to game time. I'm going to assume he's doubtful, which means you might get more Dwight Powell. He's been playing a little better here lately. Not enough for me to trust it. Miami does have some guys I trust on the Roto side. I like Trevor Ariza lately. He's played well. Kendrick Nunn has been a nice stream. Even Goran Dragic has actually been a relatively decent stream of late for Miami. He's been that able to stabilize the bench unit for the Heat. That's been big for them because when they rest Jimmy Butler, they need someone to make sure the team doesn't go full stagnation. Kings, I'm excited about getting DeLon Wright fired up in as many lineups as I possibly can. It would be very Kings-like to beat the Mavericks and the Lakers and then roll into Oklahoma City and lose to the Thunder, wouldn't it? Just saying. Hate Oklahoma City for Roto. Hate it. Oh, on the Kings side, uh, I think I would start Marvin Bagley, assuming Harrison Barnes is still out, and he was also listed as doubtful, so I'm going to assume he is. Warriors on the back-to-back. Here's the Pelicans again. It can't possibly be as easy two nights in a row, can it? I guess you can start Bazemore again. I feel like he's unfortunately due to, to poo on this one. We'll see. 
Steph and Dre are probably the guys you're thinking, okay, we'll fire these dudes up. Wiggins, yeah. Pels, you're not venturing too far into the dregs there either. If you need rebounds, you've got Hernan Gomez like we talked about. Raptors at Clippers. Uh, OG Ananobi and Gary Trent sound like the Raptors that are out for this ballgame. Clippers favored by nine. That's a pretty big number from a Clippers team that is... I know I, I, I know Kawhi is going to be playing, so you assume that that's now cooked into it. question is, how lasered in is he? This is, of course, the Kawhi versus Toronto game, and however long he's been gone, year and a half now, there's always still something there, something cooking there. But who cares more? Does Kawhi care more, or do his former teammates care more? This is actually, believe it or not, the first time they've seen each other this year. Raptors and Clips play twice here the final week and a half. And on the Clippers' side, I do think Kawhi coming back kind of ruins a lot of guys. You could go Rondo if you desperately needed assists. You could go Marcus Morris if you want rebounding in threes. And, I mean, barely rebounding in threes. Scoring, really, from your center. But there isn't any really good stream on the Clips now that Kawhi is back. You've sort of got your three main guys that are above the cut line. Zubats is the third one. Hey, remember when Serge Ibaka went out with a sore back like two months ago? That was pretty weird. He's just done. What the hell happened? I feel like something happened behind the scenes there, but that can't possibly be it, right? Everybody loves Serge. He's the guy you always want on your team, but something weird went has to have gone down because they've just stopped updating it like there was never a thought that he might be back at some point i think he did play didn't he play like three games did he try to play three games and then went back out or did he just never play after that what was serge's last ball game yeah he did he played a couple of games um when did it when was all the time off there no he didn't played like two games after the all-star break and he just was done yeah that was it just cooked been out for almost two months that's a weird ass thing that no one's bringing up anymore anywho uh that is your tuesday seven game slate and we will reassess after the fact there as well hey folks uh as we're winding down here i want to remind everybody once again please do continue to listen throughout the off season we will have fantasy content monday through friday all off season long it's a ton of fun it's when we get a jump on the competition and Please do rate and review the podcast. I haven't bugged you guys about that in a month. We had that contest back in March, I think. And so I was like, all right, I'll just leave them alone for a while. But I'm not leaving you alone now because this is a big time for us. We want to try to stockpile some ratings and reviews so we all have them in the hopper when the next season comes rolling around. So if you have access to the podcast app on your mobile device or iTunes on any computer and you have an Apple account, please drop a five-star review. And if you want to write something, that's cool on Fantasy NBA Today. And it's not the easiest thing to find either. You have to go into the search function inside the podcast app and search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and scroll down to the bottom. If you go into the podcasts that you're listening to, I don't know where to find it. So you have to pretend like you've never heard the show before, even though you're presumably a big fan, I hope. Thank you to everybody that's done it already. If you've done it already and you want to go above and beyond, find someone else in your circle of friends or family. Steal their phone and do it there. Subscribe to the show. Rate and review it. Let's see if we can tick this thing back up a little bit. We've, we've plateaued at 660-something. Is that where we're at? I don't forget. Anyway, you guys have been awesome, but let's try to get a few more here before the season wraps up. Have a wonderful Tuesday, everybody. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. 
at Dan Bespris on Twitter if you want to hit me up and bug me. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Have a lovely day. We'll talk at you tomorrow morning. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.